To Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a show to help you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. And we are excited because today we have... I mean, this is our first interview we're recording for 2020. I don't know if it's the first episode we released because we haven't planned that far ahead. But it's our first <laughs> in-house guest for a very long time. They're not At online. least 12 months. They're with us here. Yeah. We have the amazing Pastor Chris Oberg. Hey. <laughs> hey, that was an introduction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to just let our listeners who aren't familiar with your name, uh, or you, yeah. I guess, um, would you like to let them know who you are, where you're from, what you do? Yeah, sure. I am from Southern California right now. I've lived there about a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I pastor. I pastor a local church. I'm at the Lost Year University Church. I'm the lead pastor there. I'm in year 11. Wow. And kind of that Southern California life has been our family's life for a lot of years now. Cool. Mm. And your family, is it a large family or a... You know, did you mean in numbers? Yeah, numbers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a little personal there. (laughs) Um, We are four. We are a family of four. My spouse, Kirby, is a scientist. So Mm -hmm. that keeps life really alive and fun. We really live with a microscope on our dining room table. Amazing. Um, He's he's with Loma Linda Health. Mm -hmm. Two young adult daughters, Amanda and Elisa. They're big girls in the big world doing, doing important things. So four of us. Four of us in our family. No boys, no dogs, no babies, like at the next generation. That's it. Wow. Right. It's strictly anti-dog, anti-baby. Wait, wait, wait. I said a wrong thing. Dogs. There are dogs and oh, okay. cats. There no boys, dogs. no babies, no okay. spouses, no grandchildren. Are no. you a dog person or a cat oh, person? Oh, come on. That's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to Are you the opposite? I'm a dog. I'm a dog person. You. I, I like all animals, but I'm a cat person. Yeah. Like yeah. if I had to just choose one, it's probably going to be a cat. Well, you have two cats, Josh. Yeah, so I mean, I can't have a dog at my rental property. Yes, this is true. But yeah, I have yeah. two cats. I would always have cats. I'm never going to not have cats in my life. <laughs> We're going to now do an hour on dogs and cats. <laughs> well, you know, I used to be a cat person. I did used to be a cat person growing up. Um, I we had family a family cat. Her name was Silky. She was beautiful, um, vicious. Uh, but beautiful Um, but then when I got married uh, my wife Karina is a dog person I think we've mentioned this on the podcast far too many times but we've never mentioned it to you Chris this is the first time I've heard this yeah we're just sharing about ourselves here this is like when you get married do do you both eat meat do neither of you eat meat let's negotiate the household well you know what I can very much vouch for the fact that before we got married we argued about whether we would have a cat or a dog Uh, I wanted a cat she wanted a dog Mm. Uh, turns out the dog won in that mm. situation. We don't have a dog, but we are going to be getting a dog because mm. we just bought our first home. So we're out of the rental market. Um, you made it. Yeah. You're out of the pit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the dog's on the way. And we also argued about, I grew up on soy milk and she grew up on dairy. This one is much more important. Yeah. Mm. So I, I What's said, it gonna be? well, I said, let's do soy milk one week and dairy milk the other week. And she said, no, that's ridiculous. We're not going to do that. And we argued and argued and argued. Um, so we, we drink dairy milk every week. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. and, that, <laughs> nice and that's the end of the story. Yeah. That's the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> nice compromise. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Compromise, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why, like, if you could eat, I, this is from somebody who can't drink dairy. I don't know why you would ever not drink dairy if you can drink it. Well, I grew up on soy milk. My, oh, my, okay. So, yeah, we grew up, my parents, my dad became uh, Adventist when he was in his 20s and very quickly, as many Adventists do when they have um, mid 20 year old uh, conversions very conservative mm. like swung really hard right mm. and so it was veganism it was soy milk it mm. was very strict on the Sabbath all that sort of stuff so that was kind of my context growing up but I will say they definitely yo-yoed through that a lot uh, some weeks it was vegan other weeks it was chicken so oh. it was uh, yeah yeah so but anyway that's neither here nor there <laughs> has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today but no it doesn't but um, it's it's still important i, I did want to ask before we get into um you mentioned before like you're the lead pastor at la sierra university church mm-hmm. most people when they think okay blah 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 church especially yeah. for those of us in australia and new zealand sure. we don't really have any context for that can you describe for us what that church is like because it is quite significant sure happy to do that you know southern california um is a big place, right? I mean, in terms of population, we have a lot of churches in our region mm-hmm. and in our conference. So really from where I am on the university campus of La Sierra University, this is the campus church, the home of the church of the university since 1922. Wow. But wow. from where we are, you could get to 40 or 50 churches easily in under an hour on a Sabbath morning or anytime, you know, during Mm -hmm. the week. So we have a, you know, we have no shortage of faith community options. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But this is uh, when the campus was founded in 1922. Hey, it was a group of people who came to town and wanted to build an education program. Of course, there would be a church. There was never a question if there would be a church. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes people ask which came first, the school or the church. I always answer yes. <laughs> yes, because they never imagined not having a church. Yep. Um, and so that's when the church was founded. We're a large congregation. We're one of the larger congregations in the Pacific Union. Mm-hmm. Um, so campuses on both sides, you know, um, the babies, the kindergarten through high school on one side and then the high school or the, the uh, university on the other side. So we refer to ourselves as the church between kind of these two campuses Um, but we're also buried in a very active and growing community Riverside California one of the fastest growing cities in uh, the nation actually country or the the state for sure but the nation as well so we always have that in our mind too like churches live in communities Mm. and um, we keep that in mind as we think about church life if we shut our doors um, who would take care of these people who live within just you know a few houses of the, the church and the mm. campus. These, this is our community. Mm. So we think of all those things at the same time when we think of our university church. Um, it's, it's complex and beautiful, over 70 nations represented in our congregation. Wow. Many different languages, um, many different homes and countries of origin represented. It's, it's rich that way. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. And so um, when you started out in ministry... They didn't propel you to lead pastor right away, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, no, there wasn't a vote on that. Nope. That would have been um, fun if that had, that had happened yeah, no. like day zero. <laughs> no, this is actually, here's a story for you. When I was finishing my theology training, this is my second um, vocation, right? My first career, I have a degree in science, nutrition and health, right? Oh. So I worked with Adventist health systems for a while. 
So, you know, when I was 30-ish, I decided I'm going to go back to university. So I'm studying now theology as a 31, 32-year-old. And the conference said, hey, we'd like you to go interview it at the church right here, La Sierra University Church. They're looking for an associate pastor for families. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, why, why not? I'm like, well, I need to pass my Greek exam. Like, like Greek, mm. We have a Greek exam next week. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. Was, Priorities. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. This is how yeah. actually absolutely focused and linear my thinking was is, well, first we're going to do this. And I got it called into the conference president's office. He said, what in the world are you doing over there? <laughs> I said, I'm trying to raise a family. My children are this age, these ages. I'm going to school full time. You know, you get yourself over there and you interview. Wow. Whoa. He said, you don't understand that these calls don't come around that often. And this is a beautiful church. Get over there. So I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and I was in an interview the next night and they called me a half an hour after the interview and said, all right, we've, we're hiring you. Wow. And I'm still, wait, I got to pass Greek. <laughs> That's crazy. So they said, no, we'll wait. You go finish the, finish the year. We'll hang on until you graduate. Okay. So I spent the first five years with this parish as family pastor. Mm-hmm. Then went moved to another church for a few years as the lead pastor and then came back. Really? That's mm-hmm. interesting. That doesn't happen every day. I don't know. I mean, I don't keep track of you know yeah, no, but, well, uh, yeah, yeah. no I was at the another church in the Loma Linda area mm. uh, Calamesa beautiful church lovely people in other words mm, mm. and they called and said hey yeah. uh, did you can you come for an interview and so uh, we felt we actually really felt the spirit calling we needed to be in, an, in a university context mm. that sort of my husband works with university students and to be in a space where people are asking kind of the most important questions about life. We really felt ourselves pulled back to that environment. Hmm. Very good. Mm. Very good. Okay. We do have something that we're going to talk about today. Oh. But before we do that, we have the most important part <laughs> of the entire podcast. Um we have question of the week. Question of the week. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, it's, it's, What's it going to be, Josh? Uh, well, you know, in case you haven't heard, uh, right now we're actually coming at you live from um, the gate. What is it? The gatehouse. The gatehouse. At Tui Ridge Park. This we are, is the gatehouse recordings. And it kind of feels like a log cabin because everything is made of wood, um, yep. like everything. Mm. And um, yeah, so you might hear some chainsaws and trucks and stuff outside because there's a lot of stuff going out there, going on out there. This but, is um, a working environment. But it made me think a real a really important question. Would you rather live in a log cabin or a tree house? Like permanently. <laughs> so both in a forest, but one is on the ground, made with made of logs, mm. the other is in the trees. Mm. Chris, would you like to go for would, would you like <laughs> I can see that I this guess. question is so confusing to you. You need more time to think on this. <laughs> Pawn it off to yeah. you before <laughs> I want I want to live in neither, and then next I'm going for the house house, not the tree house. <laughs> the house. Like it's a log, the log cabin. cabin. Yep. Log cabin. Ding 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 ding. I mean, okay. I want. To, I just want to paint at least. At least it's okay. it's, it's like a nice He's tree. He's trying house. to sell it. It's to not us. like a. It's not like a kid's tree house. It's like a proper. Like it's a big tree with like a. Think of it like a proper house mm. in a tree. 
do you want to live in that house? Yes, don't I do. You? That's okay. my answer. That's your answer, so we can get you out of the conversation. <laughs> okay. yeah. Great. We're I'm, I'm thinking of like an Ewok situation from like oh, Return of the exactly Jedi. Exactly what was in my mind. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to reference. I pretty much reference Star Wars every episode, so oh. I didn't want to say it again. Have but you yes. seen? You've seen the new? Of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Course, we we debated whether we were going to do an episode on uh, that. You but ought to. Yeah. Well, maybe we should. Maybe we should. Yeah. I could talk about it for. I could talk about that sequel trilogy for days. Oh yeah. So yeah. maybe we will. It would be a painful experience, but it might be a cathartic experience as well. It'll help me for sure. <laughs> right. I, I'm going to say Log Cabin, not to rain on Josh's parade, but the reason is because it's always been a dream of mine to have a little little plot of land somewhere out in the forest or you know in the wilderness, um, build myself a log cabin, have a fire, you know, maybe some rugs, mm. and just have somewhere to go to off the grid, to- mm. no electricity. No running water, just completely off the grid. So for that reason, it has to be log cabin for me. Yeah, I'm sorry. Enjoy your treehouse. I will. Josh. You're going to be alone. I'll enjoy in your it. Alone. Yeah. <laughs> no, my wife walks, probably the will. The the walks will be there. <laughs> I, like, I don't even think I could, could convince my wife to live in the treehouse with me. To be honest, but anyway, <laughs> the cats would love it. Probably. The cats would love it. Yeah. So it'd be me and the cats. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's question of the week. Um, so again, if you do hear any loud noises during the podcast, you know, maybe you're in a quiet, one of our few listeners who listen to this in a quiet location, um, you might hear some stuff in the background, but anyway, we're going to continue on as normal, but today we've got, um, we're tackling some pretty big issues today. Um, we're going to burn what we think is a pretty major haystack that kind of, I think it affects a lot of people in our church, in the Adventist church worldwide. Um, yeah. And it can, it can kind of plague a lot, a lot of people's thinking and, for us, we're, um, I don't know, as pastors, we deal with it a lot and we see it a lot and we hear it a lot and some concerns with it, I guess, for us. And so it's something we've been wanting to tackle for a while and waiting for the right moment. And so the moment is Chris now. is our right moment. Because <laughs> uh, we're here at <laughs> no Big Camp. No pressure though, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, we're here at New Zealand Big Camp and um, she did an amazing presentation and touched on a lot of this stuff. And we thought, man, we got to flesh this out in the podcast. we got to talk about it. So many people need to hear this. So, And we know that, you know... Our haystack burners, you guys will love this. So we're really excited about today's content. Um, I didn't actually tell you what it was about. <laughs> You've been like amping it up for like the last 20 minutes. Because <laughs> I'm the hype guy. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, so today we are talking about, but not exclusively, last generation theology. Mm. Um, so I guess to get us kicked off, mm. let's, I guess, go around and 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 define what that is because i know that can be quite a murky subject for many of us and we all have different connotations so i'll i'll start us off it it's my understanding as somebody who to be honest didn't have that much direct contact with lgt growing up but i had a lot of indirect contact i didn't quite know what it was at the time until i found out later oh that's what lgt is um it's this idea that we are being led as a church or as a community towards this point in time where there'll be a final generation that is perfect and perfectly reproduces the character of Christ and that God is waiting for that generation to return. Is that Would that be like the, the Cliff Notes version of LGT perhaps? Or can we springboard off that? A little bit. I think we can use that as a Cliff Notes version. Yeah, yeah I think I think that was good. Yeah, and you know, it get this idea gets lives and life cycles maybe in the denomination. So unless we have church historians sitting in our midst, you know, I don't want to misspeak, um, but I think it is fair to say that this idea actually didn't have real strong roots 
early on mm. that we got stronger roots with this um, in the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, and there's been lots written on this topic, right? But I think that's important to name because there may be some Adventists for whom this is not a topic at all. Mm. And you wonder, was I just raised under a rock? Like nobody in my house really talked about. I wasn't raised in an Adventist home that was teaching us we had to be absolutely sinless. We had lists of rules that made you wonder, are we going that? Is yeah. that what we're aiming for? <laughs> um, and when when we heard our grandmother pray for our salvation, you would wonder too. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. is that what we're aiming for? Because, wow, this is a long list. You Can know? you share that story? Because I know you shared that in, because I yeah. think that's it's funny yeah. and sad all at the same time. But I think our listeners would definitely benefit from well, it. Well, so it's probably familiar to a lot of people, right? But I am... I, um, my, my grandmother used to come to visit on the holiday and she would say her prayers kneeling at her bedside in the kind of guest bedroom and leave her door propped wide open mm. for everyone to kind of eavesdrop in a very loud prayer voice. Oh, dear Lord. And then she would begin kind of laboring and lamenting over the people and particularly her grandchildren. I pray for them. Their hair is so long. <laughs> you know, my grandsons with their hair is so long and my granddaughters, their skirts are so short. <laughs> Fit them for heaven if it is even possible. <laughs> if it is even if possible. If it is even possible, oh, oh Lord. And, and of course, right, we begin to think from a young age, oh, maybe the length of my skirt or hair is what fits me for heaven. Mm. And we do begin to wonder whether these are conscious thoughts or interrogated thoughts and ideas. We do begin to wonder as we sing music and listen to other people chatter around the potluck table at church oh, actually, maybe there is a list of things. Mm. We had a little girl at Vacation Bible School once. I remember this from years ago. They were asking the children to kind of come forward, and if, and, if, and they were asking for forgiveness. I'm not sure this is an entirely healthy exercise as I rethink this, mm. especially in a mixed group, right? Neighborhood children who aren't really hearing about the idea of a God of love mm. and, and what Jesus means in our lives. The children are coming forward, standing in front of a cross, and they're invited to write out a... You know, these are the things I'm asking for forgiveness for in my life. This is a very common thing with youth ministries, right? Yep, yep. It's this little child staring at the cross. She's like six, seven, eight years old, and she's just staring and staring and staring. And finally, we ask her, are you, are you okay? She's not participating. The children are writing things out. You write your sins on a heart. I mean, anyway, we need to rethink this exercise, <sighs> but they're tacking them to the wooden cross and leaving and she's by herself almost and are you okay she said i just just can't think of anything to write on the heart i mean i just i don't think i have any sins wow wow right <laughs> right wow first thing i thought was how beautiful <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but the next thing i thought was well how troubling cuz then she began to kind of cry feeling out of place i i can't figure out what's 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 wrong with me that i'm supposed to write down turns out she's a neighborhood child like she's completely out of the context yeah. for this exercise yeah. mm. um but we you know later on in college i remember hearing stories of people who you know woke woke up daily and thanked god that they hadn't committed any sins this week Mm. So apparently there were there were and there are people kind of keeping track and monitoring their life and and um, how well they're doing mm. by their conduct and their behaviors and their choices and 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 whether we have lived without sin this week. Yeah, the story that I've heard, um, especially since moving to New Zealand, I don't know if this has happened in the U.S., but um, 
people buying up land in the absolute whops, you know, just mm-hmm. out, out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and going out there with their family or with a group of people and mm-hmm. doing everything that they can to separate themselves, be that peculiar people. And um, I just remember um, when I was pastoring in another city, um, meeting with this these these two church members they were in their 70s or 80s at the time and they were just recounting to me some of their experiences when they bought into this um, and they'd regretted it um, but they'd taken their kid three kids three or four kids something like that they'd built this house for themselves out in the middle of nowhere propagating their own vegetables and drawing their own water from a nearby spring and you know, spending hours in reading Ellen White and 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 KJV and and all all that whole thing that you would expect, um, and their 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 idea was to if we can separate ourselves from society enough, and we just spend time with each other and we spend time with God, and we work on perfecting our character day by day by day, mm. one day, one day we'll get there. One day we will be that perfect chosen Mm. people and it just ended up driving all four of their children completely away from Mm. them Mm. and away from the church and they regret it to this day um and when i was there i was 23 24 year old baby pastor sitting there in this living room with these old people who are just speaking on all these regrets and i was just like completely blown away like i just cannot believe this you know so hard to process but that's the reality of so many people's experiences did you grow up with things like that no i um i grew up in a probably like probably more liberal liberal household in terms of adventist liberal you know which isn't very liberal but uh, but uh yeah i yeah I, i never really i didn't encounter it until much later um I can't even remember when, but I think I think I was a teenager and I heard somebody at church talking about like how excited they are for the day that there's that perfect generation mm-hmm. so so that Jesus can come. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like like I was just I was so lost by the idea, it just sort of went to the back of my mind. I'm like, I can't even process that. I don't know what that's about. So yeah, that idea of like even that idea of like being perfect so that we can accelerate the coming of Jesus, yeah. that sort of thing. That idea yeah. seems so bizarre to me because then it's kind of putting the, the emphasis back on us again, yeah. which is what I'd just sort of been like, ah, that's so not what the gospel's about. But yeah, and even, you know, I encountered a few people at college. It's like, you'd be amazed, I think, maybe if, if people like me and they haven't encountered it much in their home, you'd be amazed if you really look and listen for it, it is around, mm-hmm. you know, they're all, you'd be surprised. And even sometimes some people think they have maybe a different kind of slant on it um, but it, it comes in a lot of shapes and forms, this whole last generation theology idea. So, yeah, towards that, um, we boy, we certainly don't want to lose sight of what you were saying uh, in terms of salvation and, and kind of the gospel message in all of this, right? It's mm. It cannot be Jesus plus anything. Yep. And we have a very difficult time kind of letting go of all the other qualifiers we've put in the formula next to Jesus, don't we? Mm. And we also have a difficult time being honest about that. Like, 
you know, to kind of put everything out on the table and make sure. Yeah, but are you sure it's not a little bit of my going to church? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you sure it's not a little bit of what I eat? Are you sure, you know, yeah. to being crystal clear about that, you know, we're saved only by grace, right? Through faith. We're all, it can only be that. And everything else that we do with our life is in response to this beautiful, extravagant, amazing, unexplainable, mysterious gift. Everything else I do is I'm compelled by the beauty of that gift. So yeah, I, there are a lot of things in my life that I make careful choices. It's in response to kind of the first thing first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in last generation theology, kind of during our lifetimes, right? I mean, I got a couple decades on you guys, but <laughs> let's consider we're contemporaries. Yep, yep. So let's, you know, imagine, and, and that's probably useful for this conversation today. In our lifetime, I think we get this idea largely from a couple of places of, of a Bible verse and from Ellen White. Yep. And when we put them together, uh, it's hard to get away from a particularly Ellen White who says when a final generation, she's the one who says when yep. the character of Christ is perfectly reproduced in his people, he'll come to claim them in his own mm. as his own. Mm. That's Christ object, object lesson lessons, page 69. Like, all right. <laughs> she said it. We got to deal with it. And when it's perfectly reproduced, so we have that ringing in our ears, and then we have at least Matthew five forty eight. I agree. I think it's Reiner uh, Brunsma who's written one of the more recent books on oh, LGT. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the title, no, and it just escaped no. me, but you'll all be searching for it as soon as we're done with yep. this podcast. We'll put it in the show notes. I yep. ordered the book. I cannot, sorry, I'm spacing on the title, but... He mentions it also that, you know, we we get a couple of spaces like this, two or three Bible verses, two or three Ellen White quotes. Yeah. And, and we, we create like a systematic theology around yeah. such a tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Or or we wonder, is that where we got it? You know, mm. what doesn't Ellen White say something about? Yeah. <laughs> and often when we like, didn't she say we're actually <laughs> quoting Jesus <laughs> or didn't Jesus say and we're quoting Ellen White? Mm. Um yeah, like I've said often, it'd be great if we could have her sit in the room with us because I believe first she'd be horrified mm. and then second, she would love to be in this conversation with mm. us, right? Mm. So the Matthew five forty eight verse is really the verse that bubbles to the top and it has to be in the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, be ye therefore perfect. Be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Um, a lot of the Bible translations translate it that way as well. They use the yep. word perfect, many of them. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, I think that as I listen and read and hear people talk, yeah, but what are you going to do with that Bible verse? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do with that Ellen White quote? Mm-hmm. And so we have to reconcile these all one at a time, one at a time. I don't believe that verse has anything to do with perfection, uh, human sinlessness and ethical perfection in the way we've come to interpret it and preach it in some spaces. Um, sometimes simply the word alone in print is what messes us up. Mm. Ellen White uses the word perfect. What did she mean? Mm. You know, uh, Jesus uses the word perfect. What does he mean? Mm. George Knight in his sin and salvation book, the newer one says something just like this. Well, it's no question that the word perfect is there or that there's perfection. Bless you. Sorry. <laughs> Coming back to George Knight now. Yeah. <laughs> it's no question that there's perfection. Now we have to talk about what does it mean? Yeah. And so understanding what it means. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. And I think there, there is a lot to unpack there because I know 
the, the like when things get translated into English, like we just sometimes our words just aren't the right words, which yeah. is so difficult. And I think a point of frustration for a lot of people because they read it like, oh, can I not trust scriptures? But this is part of the reason we need to always read a wide variety of translations mm-hmm. um, for this exact reason. There's never going to be a perfect English representation of mm-hmm. the Bible. Mm. Um, mm. So I think we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, we'll unpack some of these uh, some of these verses and a bit of what Ellen White says and uh, we'll get into maybe uh, get it, getting rid of some of the, the confusion around those, those passages. And we're back. All right, we're not going to... We're not going to hold anything back. We're just going to give it straight over to Chris. We're just going to dive straight into it. So let's go. So let's go to the Matthew 548 verse. Be therefore perfect. First thing we're going to do is take carefully the language, right? Be therefore perfect. Uh, Like you said earlier, we read different Bible translations. It helps us to go to the original language in the Greek. Mm -hmm. I know we don't all read Greek. I don't read it very well. This is why we have a lot of helps and tools easy to get to online. It's really useful with this particular verse because the English word perfect means our understanding of it, you know. Oh, I had the perfect burger or Mm. I had the perfect date or I had the perfect day off. Yeah. Mm. It's a very different language, right? The Greek word here for perfect is telos or teleos. From that cluster of words, we get the idea of grow up, uh, be mature, um, move toward the completion or the end mark. Um, so be ye therefore mature would be a good way to read this. This is why when Eugene Peterson paraphrases this verse, he says, so grow up in love, carry the love of God kind of all around the world. God bless you again. Sorry. <laughs> back to Eugene yeah. Peterson. Yeah. yeah back you know? to Eugene. Um, embody the love of God is yeah. essentially how he translates this. And it helps that this verse is buried in a passage, which, which is, been naming the love of God over and over and over and over. Mm. So we not only need to look at the word, we have to look obviously at the whole teaching chunk there, Matthew 5 to 7, which Jesus is making crystal clear. This Matthew 5:48 is moving towards a summary of what he's been talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. Uh, so 5:48, the word perfect, we have to think carefully about. Now, the only other time in the Gospel of Matthew we get that same word, telos or teleos, is in Matthew 19 when the rich young ruler asked Jesus, well, what do I need to do to be saved? Keep the commandments. Well, I'm doing that, you know. Mm. Um, anything more? Isn't there something more difficult? <laughs> and and um, that's when Jesus uses this word, right? Well, actually. <laughs> and in the passage, Jesus says, sell all you have and give your things away and when you've done that essentially you this is perfect yeah so yeah. It, does it seem to me that jesus is using that word in this in this case like contextually like yeah. you have 93 percent, but if you want that extra seven percent to make you you not like everybody but you complete in your understanding this yeah. is what you have to do oh what an interesting question so he says if, says if you if you want to be perfect if you mm. If you, Jesse, want to be mm. perfect, you go sell your possessions. Yeah. Josh, you want to be perfect. Chris, you want to be perfect. Go sell. We probably all have different possessions, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I guess the little bit of the the phrase in the states of "you do you." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a. That's kind of think the question you're kind of asking. If yeah. you want to be perfect, if you want to mature, if you want to grow up, if you want to reach the end goal, if you want to see the completion, and that if you want to point your life that direction, go sell all you have. He says to a very wealthy man. Yes. And give it to those who don't have. And when the 
rich young ruler hears this, he's very troubled. The passage says, yeah. um, he went had he had many possessions. He mm. went away grieving. It's like, yeah. oh, don't ask me to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so being perfect is tied directly to differential treatment for the poor. Yeah, mm. yeah. And doesn't that take the the meaning in a completely different direction, yeah. right? Like Jesus wouldn't have said that to a beggar who didn't have two matchsticks to, to rub together, you know? No. You want to yeah. be perfect? Yeah, there would be a completely different instruction. Yeah. So I think that's a, a very helpful insight on your part. Like, yeah, it gets uh, it gets contextualized when Jesus uses it. This is the only story we have in Matthew. And then Matthew doesn't give us this word again. So that's what Matthew does with it. And we, we set that aside for a minute because... Like all good kind of synoptic studies or intertextual work, that's what we're doing now. We, where do we ever get this story anywhere else in the Bible? Yes, we get it in the Gospel of Luke. Fancy that. It's in the same teaching sec- section, right? The mm. sermon, there's a sermon on the plain in one and the sermon on the mount in the other. The same big chunks of teaching. Jesus is doing these really difficult and thick teachings of turn the other cheek and love your enemy and do good to those who hate you and work for the peace of the people and on and on and on. And you'll be persecuted for doing this. Mm. And then Luke says, be therefore merciful. As your father and oh, Luke's <laughs> like I'm just not going to play that silly game Matthew's playing. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so it's completely different Greek word, right? It's a completely different word, family oiktos, um, and it really can be understood as mercy and compassion, yeah. and uh, com- and, and uh, kind of the the, ex- the extending of ourselves for the other. Just totally not about. Um, you know, ethical perfection. Mm. And it does seem very deliberate that Luke, who at yeah. the beginning of his gospel says, yeah. I have made a careful account. Like he's, he's a researcher, yeah. you know, he's done his yeah. doctoral study, yeah. you know, he's like, do, you know, like yeah. in the context, yeah. he's actually doing this very carefully. Yeah. Hey, so he's done that. And he's, I, I think it's also, you know, the Beatitudes in Luke um, are a little bit different as well. Yeah. So there uh, in, in Matthew is, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thir- thirst for righteousness. And Luke says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst as in right now, as in there's not enough food around you. Right. Mm. So they're all um, they're They're staged and and shaped a little bit differently in the two. Um, but Luke's done. And by the way, you can't take a verse like this out uh, absent of any of this context if jesus is in the middle of his kind of first and most important speech he's going to give here's the program here's the platform for the jesus movement this is what the jesus people will be about oh and also on top of that live a sinless blameless life like (laughs) in other words that kind of interpretation of this verse doesn't make sense in the cluster where it's placed we've got a couple of chunky chapters here on how we will live our lives knowing what we know about god's kingdom jesus is going to show us what it looks like Mm -hmm. so that's matthew and luke um well then you know it'd be really easy to go thanks luke because we're just going to go with you (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but we could also say thank you Matthew because actually the way we've interpreted and applied that verse was maybe not correct Mm. Mm -hmm. so we have more work we could do there and all this conversation we're having right now we could do the same with Ellen White and the Christ object lesson sentence or two we have to think lots about Ellen White's station and location in life when she wrote these things she wrote um, early Ellen White versus middle to older Ellen White when actually you know her voice changed 
and her perspective on the love of God and the grace of God changed. And mm-hmm. hey, 1888 happened, which is those of you listening, if you could care less about general conference yeah. sessions, <laughs> we hear you because <laughs> um, there's been some pain and trauma over the years. And that was mm-hmm. a big one. And Ellen White reflected things a little differently after some of that pain and trauma. So we could do the same thing with the Ellen White sentence or two that we're just now doing with Matthew and Luke. And we need to before we come up with kind of grand teachings that tell people how they need to shape their lives. Hmm. Right. So would, I mean, I guess before we move on from the Matthew and go maybe a little bit more into Ellen White, if we are going to dive into that, um, do you have a better way that you would translate that? I mean, if, if Pastor Chris did her own translation yeah. of the, the, the verse, do you have your own way you'd do it? I think that um, Eugene Peterson's pretty close. I don't have it in front of me, but I, if, it's, if this isn't his language and it's mine, fine. Um, <laughs> if it's his, we give him credit. But kind of grow up in love. Mm. Get your act together in love. I just gave you a lot to think about, kind of the, G, the, five, the two chapters from Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, 7. Um, but embedded right there, I think that 548 it kind of summarizes all of it. Mm-hmm. Grow up in love. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be persecuted if you love this way because the kingdom of Jesus is necessarily upside down. The kingdom of Jesus is necessarily inside out. The kingdom of Je- it's, it, it's contrary to the way we would normally shape our lives for success. Mm-hmm. Grow up in love. Uh, that's how I would translate 548. Yeah. Mm. That's mm. cool. I like that translation. Mm. Mm. And you'll be doing it the rest of your lives. I'll be doing it for forever. I won't get it right. Um, and I'll be persecuted for trying. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that uh, crazy? Like, oh, by the way, the people who persecuted me, they're going to come for you mm. because you care about this kind of love. Yeah. Wow. Because it's kind of, I mean, it's the whole like, I mean, if you're taking it from the, it's almost like love, love like your father has mm-hmm. love, like show love like mm-hmm. your father shows love, mm-hmm. which is like you can strive for that, but you can never love the same way as someone else. Yeah. You can strive to reproduce it in your own life, but it's something you'll always be working on and it's yeah. something you'll always be trying to yeah. expand upon um, and thinking of something you'll always get wrong and might be three steps forward and two steps back. You know, that's, that's how like growing in love works, I guess. You were reminding me of like the book of Leviticus um, in, in around chapter 19, you know, when they call the whole camp together and they all get these instructions on how to live a holy life, right? Mm. I think this is maybe these are some of the voices of the predecessors um, in the story, like the, uh, or the early tapes. I think we maybe misunderstand the instruction given that day when the nation of Israel shows up yeah. and it says in Leviticus, like they're all called, like nobody, nobody's can take a skip day, get out of your tents, yeah. everybody get here. <laughs> no, everybody's on boys, girls, you know, children, teenagers, young adults, grandmas, grandpas, every, when it says all, that's what it means. Mm. You, are you a priest? Are you a peasant? Get here, get here. And then they're told be, you know, be perfect. Mm. And the instruction isn't, as Yahweh is perfect, it's because Yahweh is perfect. Oh, right, this right, is just right. like a huge distinction. You can't do God. Yeah. Do your human life in light of wh- how God is doing God's life. Yeah. Mm, yeah. This is a huge distinction. Mm. But I think we sometimes hear that versus be perfect as God is perfect. Mm, yeah. Right. Mm. Uh, or be holy. I'm sorry. In Leviticus as God is holy. Yeah. It reminds me of um, Pauline theology, like when he's saying, you know, that we are growing glory unto glory, you know, Mm -hmm. like that whole idea that Mm -hmm. this is not a 
finite game, but it's an exponential game mm. that mm. we are not called to get to a certain end point, but that we are called to exponentially grow in grace and glory and love mm. um, according to yeah. that original imprint, yeah. that original Garden of Eden ideal, mm. you know. I think that would be in keeping with the word, the way the word teleos, telos or teleos is used actually also in kind of um, Greek writings and Greek philosophers that, that um, point your point towards a direction of completion or the goal or, Mm. you know, how do we see this turning out? So Mm. what you're saying is kind of consistent with, Mm. I think it's earlier uses, that, that word. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think then at the end of the day, when we have to work all of this out in our relationships, in our homes, and with our children and our grandchildren in our churches, what is this thing, this voice that keeps coming back in our head that tells us we're still not good enough? Mm. Right. We're still not. We're, right. we're still not getting something right. And <laughs> th- those are really hard tapes to undo. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super hard tapes to undo, undo, even if we knew where they all came from. Yeah. It's, you don't just turn up today and say, stop thinking that way. <laughs> stop thinking that way. So we were talking earlier today about Maria Con- Marie Kondo. You want to do that? Oh, yeah. Let's absolutely. Do it. Yeah. Let's talk about Maria. So the Netflix sensation of last year, right? Mm-hmm. Or the year before. Um, we did a whole church service on this a couple of years ago. <laughs> so much fun. We actually had all the pastors up front with kind of, you know, uh, the thing we would give away. If the church could Marie Kondo. Wow. Like, think of your life and experience with the church, put it all out, take it all out of the drawers and closets and put it on the bed and yep. evaluate it and thank it for its service and put it back or release it, right? We, this, we had a ton of fun a couple of years ago on this topic. Um, and we gave some things back, like somebody gave back Pathfinder Camperies. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yep. That sounds like a good one. Uh, I'm just not doing that anymore. Um, anyway, we gave back a lot of interesting things. We wanted to give back portions of the investigative judgment, but we didn't have the courage to say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, understandable. (laughs) Anyhow, that has led me to think more and more and more about this. Like maybe in our Adventist thinking and in our rituals, in our spiritual practices and disciplines that we do. What do I mean by that? I mean like the rhythm of going to church and the rhythm Mm. of praying and Mm. the rhythm of, you know, sacred conversation like this and sacred meals and Sabbath time. Maybe it, we could evaluate kind of all of this. Mm. And there are some things we need to release. So um, maybe we could release this idea from kind of the Adventist experience and the, the treasure chest of theological ideas of the last generation theology. Um, we've been talking about this a, way, a couple of ways, you know, with the people here this week. If there's this idea of epigenetics in the science community, in the social sciences community, this big old word, epigenetics, mm-hmm. two words. Hey, Greek. Thank you, Greek, for helping us. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah these yeah, are nice. some Greek words here. <laughs> yeah. um, but when, but this whole idea that our genes are informed and shaped by experiences that we've had, science and biology has taken off on this topic, and it's a huge field of study, really worth our time. Um, if it is things that have happened in our family in the past, we're learning that there are residuals of that, manifestations, leftovers of that second, third generation forward, right? So if we had a big starvation in a country one year, we can find descendants of those people with challenges in their body because genes were shaped because of things that happened. 
in the world, right? That's the big old field of epigenetics. So hopefully in like 30 seconds, there's enough context there to ask this question. Those of you listening, you tell us later, was there enough to talk about this? Just pause and go on Wikipedia. It's okay. (laughs) It's worth a Google. If you Google it, you'll just, you'll get tons of stuff immediately. Um, Yeah, you'll get tons of information and then that'll give you some traction. What if we've had some shaping, right, of our own Adventist genetics? What if we've had some shaping of our own Adventist theology? Mm. What we have, right? I mean, my my grandmother's prayer from how many years ago, from 40 years ago, I can still hear in my ears. Little songs that my father or mother taught me or stories that I heard people tell or, uh, you know, what if I wasn't even at the 1888 camp meeting? But what if the residuals of those arguments in Adventist history wow. still manifest somehow today wow. and they've shaped our Adventist experience today? I call this theological epigenetics. Like it's a term I'm playing around with because I think mm. it's curious and fun to think mm. about. What is it that's shaped who we are today that maybe hasn't been healthy, you haystack people who like mm. to burn things? Yep. <laughs> Like, what could we actually take out of the drawer with Marie Kondo and say, thank you for your service. Now you go to this haystack site and we're going to burn you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the cleansing fire that washes it all away. (laughs) But I think what I love what you're saying here, it's because it's not that it was bad and it was always bad and it was bad to begin with. No. And it was evil and we just have to get rid of it. It's like maybe it actually served a purpose Mm -hmm. at a point in time. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just that it doesn't serve Mm. the same purpose Mm. anymore. And maybe it actually wasn't that biblical to begin with, right? Yeah. These things emerge in community, usually from crisis, right? I mean, the Protestant Reformation is because of crisis. Most great theological thinking emerges at the edges of crisis of some kind. We come up with new ideas. Progressive life for for Adventists, progressive light, progressive truth and revelation, Mm. the same way. Um, Maybe this one wasn't actually all that biblical sound, but it emerged at a time in the 40s, 50s, whatever, where we're, hey, it's not 1901 anymore when this thing the structure was created and Ellen White's been dead for a while and we'll, we're still here. Mm. I think that's maybe the warning sign for us where we have to put the bumper guards or the paddings on when we get anxious in this old world that God so loves as like the creatures, the broken, fractured creatures in God's story. When we get anxious here, we, we really do try and solve God's story mm. and it must be us. Mm. There must be something we can be doing. So, If that was thinking going on at a certain time in our journey, I think it's going on again, right? Mm. Like we have fresh outbursts of this in the last five years or so all over again. We seem to be struggling with, but are you sure? Mm. Like maybe with your friends, Jesse, Mm. we're supposed to be going out to the country and stockpiling and separating ourselves. This story is from... 40, 50 years ago, but I literally know people who are doing it right now. Yeah. They're out there in the bush, yeah. in tents, in cabins, yeah. because that's what they believe. Right. So then, you know, every generation has to live its own story out, right? Every generation has to wrestle these things all over again. We forget in our long Adventist journey that we've talked about things and then left them to the side. And when we run into them again, they're not all brand new. They've got a history. Mm-hmm. Many of these ideas have a history and, and they come to life again all over in a fresh new generation. It seems like that's where we are with LGT. Mm. And do you think some of it's just because we're just, we're, we're agitating. Like this old world is still here. 
Yeah. Mm. And I think we I think we definitely struggle to relate to the ever changingness of mm. of this world. It's 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 very strange to me to belong to a faith movement that started with the expectation that this is all going to be wrapping up very soon and you just got to jump on board because this train is heading mm. to glory mm. and you just got to be on that train and mm. yet here we are 150 plus mm. years later on the train and the destination is nowhere in sight or at least that's what it seems mm-hmm. um it, it's it's very strange to me to belong to that um mm. yeah 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 it's kind of almost like and uh, yeah i think i think the kind of panic and anxiety of it sort of like why are we still here why is this still happening what have we done wrong you know that and you begin to take it onto yourself is it me is it me yeah Yeah. is it me and then that's what maybe we have to be perfect maybe that's what we need to do maybe we need to do this maybe you know maybe our beliefs are you know maybe we need to just go back to what the pioneers did and just dig deeper Mm. into that and perhaps it's all arbitrary maybe maybe if it was in a different time maybe if it was today maybe everybody would be like well if you only eat Wheat bix and not Kellogg's cornflakes, mm-hmm. then Jesus mm-hmm. will return again. All right, mm-hmm. everybody get on the wheat bix train. <laughs> this episode is uh, sponsored by Sanitarium. No. <laughs> yeah, well done. The dream. After, after a few days of wheat bix here, <laughs> well done. What if it's simply like I, I get the anxiety part, and what if we've been anxious about the wrong things? Because when Jesus scolds the f- scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew. He says to them, woe to you, like you've been eating your Weetabix and your almond milk. Woe to you, but you forgot about the weightier matters of the law. And I don't know why finding the voice of Jesus and kind of recovering the voice of Jesus in all of this is so difficult. Mm. (laughs) Like Jesus is telling us, what are the weightier matters of the law? I don't know. Go back and read the Beatitudes. They're not baby food. They're Mm. not just the beginning of Jesus's plow. It's the entire message. Let me give you the entire message in one little speech here. Blessed are. Mm. And Jesus does. I don't know why it's so difficult to recover the voice of Jesus in all of this, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's almost like we prefer the slavery of paganism and ritual and religion over the freedom of the Jesus way. Yeah, and because we've taught ourselves maybe to care about it that way. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so we've... We, we've taught this as a story kind of, you know, don't don't let the sin get in. Yes. Instead of a story of how do we let the generosity get out? Mm-hmm. How do we get a little more Jesus out in the world? Mm. Um, it will never be done in my lifetime or yours, right? Yeah. But, but that was sort of the maturity, the goal, the direction, right, that Jesus was talking about. Mm. I, it is, I find this is... This remains one of the most difficult things in faith communities, maybe in my own personal life. How do we get ourselves out of the middle of the story? You mean like all of this is not totally about me? Mm. All of this is not totally about how many commandments I kept or how much Weetabix or almond milk or all the things, all this. Oh, you mean this was all about the generos- generosity of God, the love of God, the compassion of God. That's like, that was what this was all about. Did any of the generosity of God ooze out because, you know, I behaved a certain way today? If so, praise Jesus. Like, that's what the goal was. Mm. So let's say that somebody's listening to this and there's, it may not be LGT for them, but mm. let's say that they're holding on to something which if they were honest, they would be like, yeah, this is 
holding me back from the freedom of life in Christ or mm. whatever the case may be. Mm. And let's say that you're across from the table from them, you're mm. speaking to them right now and they're struggling to, how do I Marie Kondo this? Mm-hmm. How do I actually get to the space where I can let this go? Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to that person um, knowing that it could be LGT, it could be something completely different. Yeah, it could be a lot of things, yeah. right? One small exercise that I've done for myself, I've suggested for people in our church, is a, it's it's like a small three by five or an index card. And on one side of the card, I you know I write, knowing what I know about Jesus, like this I trust about Jesus. It's a small list. This is not exhaustive, right? This is, these are the things I trust about Jesus. Knowing this about Jesus, knowing what I know about Jesus, what's going to be required of my life today or this month? Or maybe if it's the beginning of the new year and you're kind of doing your manifesto and your vision statement or whatever, whatever. Knowing what I know about Jesus, what might need to go in my life? Sometimes it's a very visual and visceral kind of activity like this. I mean, let's just make it cut and dry and on paper and say a thing. And I know I have trouble with this, so I'm going to write it down. My mother was great at, she knew that they that they kind of struggled with getting down and depressed in their house. And so she would write these promises from scripture and place them all around the spaces where she paused regularly. I'm at the kitchen sink. I'm going to make myself a reminder right above the sink. Or I'm in the laundry room. Or am I getting my car and on the visor? I'm going to, in, anyway, very practical ways of reminding. Because we don't erase tapes from our heads super easy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another suggest, you know, so what are the things knowing what I know about Jesus? What does that mean? I have to let go of some things. Jesus is actually not counting my sins today. Jesus is asking how, how generous can I, how generous could I make my day? Easy for that to turn into a to-do list. So please be cautious, right? Like we have to be careful. We don't simply, you know, take away perfectionism and insert generosity. I'm not Mm. meaning that. Mm. Sometimes it's very basic tasks like that. Sometimes these are prayers. These are daily prayers. God, I'm struggling with these things and I'm trying to Marie Kondo them out of my life. And the struggle is real because the voices are real. So I need help. That's, that, that's a good activity. Finding yourself a partner and just an accountability partner. Hey, th- here's a couple things I'm working on this year. Every once in a while, would you ask me how it's going? Hmm. Um, that, that can be useful. Attaching a new habit to an old habit. You know, the psychologists tell us you get up and brush your teeth every morning. So while you're brushing your teeth, do this new thing. And maybe it's a prayer that says, hey, God, today I'm working on some ugly stuff I need to get out. Um, So nudge me. Have the spirit nudge me when that's happening. These are all really simple and practical, right? Mm, Yeah, yeah. But there are like beginning points for that says I'm taking this seriously. Mm. so it's like starting the rebuilding process but in a small well it's like an excavation process and rebuilding process it's starting at small steps at a time baby steps i mean then sometimes i guess you know as we become more and more aware we can put chunkier things in place there might be some people we no longer associate with because they are only able to speak that kind of judgment and condemnation and shame and guilt into our lives right and we're going to say no i'm i don't sign up for that anymore or there might be, uh, actually might be a parish we worship with or a, a Bible study we're a part of. I can't do those people anymore. It's not my responsibility to save them. Jesus has got that. Mm. There might be, as we've said here, some songs we have to simply stop singing. Mm. I will no longer sing that saved a wretch like me, you know, in amazing grace. I won't say those lines because it keeps reinforcing in my head 
that I am such a disappointment to God. Wow. I'm going to stop singing those lyrics. A couple months ago, I was at a conference and I literally got out and left while they were singing a certain song on substitutionary atonement. And I'm like, I, that is for me is such a visceral and negative song. I'm going to leave the room right now while that's happening because I've negotiated a different way on that topic. Mm. And so I physically remove myself from the room and then I come back. It's fine. I don't have to go spread the rumor that these are terrible people for singing that. No, I've removed myself temporarily. I'll be back. Yeah. And I think you mentioned the amazing grace thing to us earlier in the week. And um, I mean, it's not like you have to throw out the whole song. No. For you, you guys, you just sing. That saved someone like me. Yeah. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved someone like me. How easy is that? Yeah. Mm, the syllables yeah. match. The meter is not messed up. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And it just cha- it's like a dial. It's just changing the direction just yeah. a little bit. Oh, I want the song. My word, I mm. want the song, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's such rich. That's such a rich... Uh, liturgy for the to church throughout the history of Christendom. I want the song. I don't want that theology. Mm. So that's theological epigenetics right there in yes. action. Yes. Wow. I want the song. I don't want that word. So when are you writing the book on theological <laughs> epigenetics? <laughs> Thank you for the prompt. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could rebrand Burn the Haystack to the Theological Epigenetics Podcast. (laughs) You know, once we have your book, we'll we'll (laughs) rebrand. Yeah, that's amazing. Just rolls off the tongue. It does. It does. Yeah, yeah, literally, someone today was like, "How many syllables is that?" T H. Wait, how do you? I I wouldn't lose the haystack idea. Yeah, Uh, it's short and simple. People people get it now. People come up and talk to us about haystacks all the time so yeah it's been fun love it i think that's been a really cool place to to land the plane um i just yeah it's such an interesting conversation and i know we've gone a few different places but i think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people um so did you have any last little thoughts you wanted to get out there before we wrap up or you no this is cool though you okay good on you i learned that this week good on you hey love it love it you're becoming one of us one of us (laughs) um chris if people want to get in touch with uh you or um your church or your ministries um is there a good place for them to go website uh contact Mm -hmm. whatever la sierra.life la sierra.church you'll find us easy sweet as Easy. Really cool. Thank you so much, Chris. This has been a really, really great conversation. My pleasure. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, and uh, we would love to hear from you guys, whatever you think about this. Um, So for all things Burn the Haystack, the best place to go is burnthehaystack.org. It's got links to all of our social media and even a contact form if you want to send us an email or something. We would love, 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 love to hear from you. Absolutely. Uh, And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Um, If you haven't already, please subscribe to Burn the Haystack um, and you'll see a new episode pop up every single week in your podcast feed. And if you have subscribed and you've been listening for a while and you want to give us some feedback, um, you can do that either by an email or really helpful leave us a rating or a review on your podcatching app of choice iTunes if you don't have anything else that would be super appreciated yeah it just makes us more like visible and all that good stuff so right. more people can know that we are a legitimate podcast we are a legitimate <laughs> podcast <laughs> cool <laughs> alright well we love you stay awesome that is Josh and Jesse out
That's it. That's it. Right. <laughs> what a ride. <laughs> that was the best. Thank you.